Welcome back, everyone. This is chapter 26, The Whisperer. When the knock sounded on his door, Rainy was in the midst of a terrible dream. He had written down his letters to Miss Perumal, and Jackson, having found the letters on the desk, was pounding them with his fist. Bang, bang, bang! We've got you, he cried with a wicked laugh. Don't worry, you won't be punished. It's the waiting room for you. What fun you'll have there. And when you've disappeared beneath the stinking mud for good, we'll get your beloved Miss Perumal, too. No. What do you mean, no, said Jackson? Isn't this what you've been working for? This was an unexpected response, and Rainey, startled, opened his eyes. Jackson stood in the doorway, staring at Rainey with an expression of wild impatience. I'm sorry, Rainey said, coming fully awake. I was dreaming. What did you say? I said, hurry up and get your tunic on. I'm to take you to Mr. Curtin immediately. Today's your big day. Special privileges, Raynaud. Now wake up, you skinny, bald friend, and hustle, will you? I want to get a muffin on the way. Jackson stepped out of the room to wait. When, after considerable shaking, Rainy had roused Sticky, the two of them threw on their messenger uniforms. This is it, Rainy whispered. We have to be on our toes. Sticky nodded. Good luck. They shook hands resolutely. It's about time, Jackson muttered when they came out. Now follow me. He set off in double time for the cafeteria. It was just before dawn, with no one astir but a few silent helpers, mopping floors, sweeping walkways, or scaling ladders to scrub mildew from ceilings. In the cafeteria, too, the helpers were already hard at work. Jackson helped himself to a freshly baked blueberry muffin and a glass of cold milk. Better choke something down quick, he said to the boys. You don't want to be in the whisperer with an empty stomach. It's very draining. You need all the energy you can get. At this, the first open mention of the whisperer, goosebumps rose on the boys' arms. Their stomachs flipped too, but dutifully they reached for muffins and milk and, just as Jackson said, choke them down. Sticky, already losing his nerve, couldn't help trying to stall. What about classes? What do you think all those classes are for, George? I don't see how you've ever made messenger if that's how dim-witted you are. You'll have plenty of time for classes after your session. The whisper is what's important, boys. It's the whole reason we're here. After all the secrecy that had come before, it was very strange indeed. In fact, it was thrilling to be spoken to with such candor and trust. They really were messengers at last. Rainey almost had to remind himself that his new position was not an honor to be prized. All right then, swallow and follow, said Jackson, turning on his heel. The boys gulped their milk and hurried after him. Out on the plaza, in the gray light of dawn, Jackson ordered them to stand still. If you ever become executives, he said, tying cloths over their eyes, then you'll be allowed to learn the route to the whispering gallery. Until then, it's blindfolds and no talking. Understand? Now then, round and round you go. He grabbed their shoulders and spun them about until they were so dizzy they stumbled and bumped into each other. Jackson allowed himself a moment to laugh. Then he took them by the elbows and set off. They were marched across the plaza, down a walkway, and finally over a patch of grass. 
Then came a sort of scuffing, thumping noise. It sounded like Jackson kicking something out of the way with his boot, and the boys were led inside. They went down a short passage, then up some winding stone steps, and then more winding steps. Steps after steps after steps. They must be heading up to the top of the flag tower, Rainy thought. No other place in the Institute could have so many steps. With their leg muscles burning and chests heaving, the boys finally reached the top. Jackson gave them a few good spins, perhaps just for the fun of it, and removed their blindfolds. They stood in a bright, narrow stone passage. Before them loomed a great metal door. Jackson pressed a speaker button on the wall. Your new messengers are here, sir. Very well, said Mr. Curtin's voice through the speaker. The door slid heavily open. What are you waiting for? Jackson said. He gestured impatiently, mumbling something about numbskulls not taking hints, and the boys stepped through the open doorway. The door slid closed behind them. Welcome to the Whispering Gallery, said Mr. Curtin, spinning his wheelchair away from the desk at which he'd been working. He beckoned them forward with a crook of his finger. Come in, boys, and take a look around. The Whispering Gallery, though quite large, was furnished only with a single desk two cushions in the corner, and, in the center of the room, a strange contraption resembling an old-fashioned beauty salon hairdryer. So this was the Whisperer, an oversized metal armchair with a blue helmet bolted to the seat back, and another helmet, this one red, protruding into empty air behind it. It looked surprisingly simple. No running lights, computer screens, or whirring gizmos. And indeed, considering its purpose, the entire room seemed simple. Smooth, uniform stone walls, a lack of furniture or decoration, and only a single window. Kate was right, Rainy thought. There is something important behind the highest window. If you're wondering why the Whispering Gallery is so austere, said Mr. Curtin, the answer is security. You will find no heavy metal objects or sharp devices lying about, nothing with which my Whisperer might be damaged, nothing to be used as a weapon. The Whisperer's computer system and power supply are safely protected by two feet of metal and stone. The walls are solid stone as well. The door through which you entered is the only door, and I am the only one who can open it. Control, boys. Control is key. The Whispering Gallery is perfectly controlled. I say all this to impress upon you the importance of our project, Mr. Curtin continued. He gestured for them to sit on the cushions. Why else would such security be necessary? It is a great honor to be made messenger, and I hope you will not squander it. No, sir, the boys said together. Here at last is your special privilege, said Mr. Curtin. Only messengers are allowed to help me with my project, and you may be assured it is a marvellous project. Now, I'm sure you're wondering what the Whisperer is. Am I right? The boys nodded. Of course I am. My machine cannot help but provoke curiosity. It looks simple, does it not? Only a chair with a helmet. Don't be fooled. The Whisperer is a miraculous invention. My miraculous invention, and is sophisticated beyond reckoning. Have you ever heard of a machine capable of 
Transmitting thoughts? Of course not. Would you even have thought it possible? Never. And yet it is possible. My whisperer makes it possible. Mr. Curtin waved elegantly at the contraption behind him, rather like a game show hostess displaying fabulous prizes. It has been fashioned with the human brain as a model. My human brain, in fact, which, as you might suspect, is quite an excellent one. And it is my brain that controls it. No need for keyboards or computer screens, knobs and dials, bells and whistles. The whisperer listens to me. For not only is it capable of transmitting thought, but also, to a certain extent, of perceiving thought. And although currently its proper function depends upon my being present and connected, you mean you have to be hooked up for it to work? Sticky blurted. Mr. Curtin's wheelchair rolled forward until the front wheels pressed the edge of Sticky's cushion. Mr. Curtin's reflective glasses and protuberant nose eased toward Sticky's face like a snake testing the air. You are only a child, George, so I do not expect much of you, Mr. Curtin said coolly. But if you are to be a messenger, you must be made aware of something. I do not take kindly to interruption. Sorry, Sticky mumbled, looking down. Good, said Mr. Curtin. And yes, I must be hooked up for it to work. For now. It is undergoing modification, you see. For years I have employed the Whisperer as an educational tool, but greater things are in store. Once my modifications are complete, the Whisperer will become a wondrous healing device, boys, a device capable of curing maladies of the mind. No, it's perfectly true. I see the surprise on your faces, but I assure you, my invention is destined to bring peace to thousands perhaps even millions of troubled souls. And you boys will have played a part. Is it not exciting? As if to demonstrate his excitement, Mr. Curtin shot backward in his wheelchair at breakneck speed, screeching to a stop beside his desk. His entire life must feel like an amusement park ride, Rainy thought. A moment later, he had shot back over to the boys with a brown package in his hands. What you are wondering now, Mr. Curtin said, is how messengers play a part. The answer is this. The whisperer requires the assistance of unsophisticated minds, children's minds. You see, though my machine is stunningly complex, its mental processes still pale in comparison to my own. For the whisperer to do, well, certain things I wish it to do, I will not waste time explaining details you cannot comprehend. My thoughts must first pass through a less sophisticated mind. That is where my messengers come in. Now, do not be daunted, Mr. Curtin went on. It's an easy matter. When you occupy the seat, the whisperer directs you to think certain phrases. It whispers to you, do you see? And when you think these phrases, the whisperer's transmitters do the rest. Your function is that of a filter. My thoughts, once they pass through your minds, 
are more easily processed. Do you understand what I mean by this? They go down easier, Rainy said, like candy rather than medicine. Precisely, said Mr. Curtin, seeming pleased. But the thoughts will be medicine. Make no doubt of that. One day soon, they will be medicine for countless minds. For now, a project consists of inputting data, which is to say we are filling the whisperer's computer bank with necessary information. So this was the explanation Mr. Curtin gave his messengers, inputting data. They weren't even told they were actually sending messages, that they themselves were whispering to others. Mr. Curtin had laced his fingers together atop the brown package in his lap and was looking at the boys expectantly. With a hint of impatience, he said, and now for your questions. The boys got the distinct feeling that if they didn't have questions, he would be most displeased. Sticky, trying to do his part, cleared his throat and squeaked. What, what is that package for? Excellent question, George, cried Mr. Curtin, which clearly meant it was the question he had wanted to be asked. The package is for demonstration purposes. He held up the box. Tell me, how many things do I hold in my hand? One, Sticky replied. Mr. Curtin looked at Rainy. Is that your answer too, Reynard? I hold one thing in my hand. There must be something inside the box, Rainy thought, but he sensed this was not a time Mr. Curtin wished to be impressed. Rather, Mr. Curtin wanted to surprise the boys for demonstration purposes. And so Rainy replied, it certainly looks like one thing. Ha! cried Mr. Curtin, seeming quite pleased indeed. And yet, observe. He turned the package upside down and out of it spilled hundreds of little pieces of paper. One package, yes, but one package may contain many things. Do you see? Now, clean up these paper scraps. I despise a messy floor. As the boys scrambled to pick up the paper, Mr. Curtin continued. What do I do if I wish to transmit an enormous amount of information in a short space of time? Hmm? Do you think I can sit in my whisperer every minute, every hour of the day, dictating to my messengers? Hardly. There is work to be done, modifications to be made, an institute to be run, plans to be implemented. And so how do I accomplish the inputting of all this data? Packaging, boys. I transmit packages, and every package contains an incredible amount of information. Rainy and Sticky finished cleaning up and sank onto the cushions again. I am going to say something to you now, said Mr. Curtin. One phrase only. But I want you to pay attention to what happens in your minds when I say it. Are you ready? The boys nodded. Poison apples... Poison worms. The boys blinked, startled, for in a single moment, an entire lesson, an entire class period of listening to Jilson drone on and on about bad government had blossomed in their heads. Mr. Curtin was smiling. One package, many thoughts. If you have mastered the material, then the proper phrase will conjure it, like the magic words that coax a genie from a bottle. 
Do you see? In fact, the boys understood much more than Mr. Curtin realized. Finally, it all made sense. Mr. Benedict had wondered how the hidden messages could be so simple and yet have such profound effects. It was one of the things he'd hoped they might find out. Now they knew. Mr. Benedict's receiver was able to detect the package phrases, but not the information contained in them. He could hear the magic words, but he couldn't see the genie. Very well, said Mr. Curtin, when he saw that the boys understood. You have been sufficiently briefed, and now the moment of truth. Reynard, have a seat in the Whisperer. George, you may observe from your cushion. If all goes well, the session should last about half an hour. Then you shall have your turn. Rainy rose and approached the machine. His mouth went pasty and bitter tasting as he recalled Mr. Curtin saying that the Whisperer could perceive thoughts. To a certain extent, he'd said. But to what extent? How much could it see? Would the Whisperer reveal him as a spy? Rainey stopped and stared at the metal chair and the blue helmet, racked with indecision. Should he try to resist somehow? Try to mask his thoughts? Was that even possible? He had no way of knowing and no time to consider. Reynard? Sorry, sir. Just, uh, just savoring the moment. With clammy hands, Rainey took his seat in the chair. Mr. Curtin, meanwhile, zipped around to the rear of the whisperer, reversing himself so that his back was to Rainey's as he fitted the red helmet over his own head. Le drop the curtain, he barked. Instantly, the blue helmet lowered itself onto Rainey's head, contracting to fit snugly against his temples. At the same time, metal cuffs popped out of the armrests and closed over his wrists. Never fear, said Mr. Curtin. The cuffs are only to keep you secure. Please, relax. Rainey took a deep breath and tried in vain to stop trembling. After a moment, he realized it was his seat that trembled. The whisperer was pulsing with energy. He closed his eyes. Good, said a voice in his head. It wasn't his own voice, nor was it Mr. Curtin's. It was the whisperer's. Not unkind, but not friendly either. Impossible to describe. It was simply there. Good, it repeated. What is your name? Rainey still wasn't sure if he ought to resist a little. How much could the whisperer detect? If he gave an inch, would it take a mile? He was trying to decide how to proceed when the whisperer's voice in his head said, Welcome, Reynard Muldoon. But he hadn't answered. Opening his eyes in surprise, he saw Sticky on his cushion watching with intense concern. Rainey tried to concentrate. Of course, this wasn't like talking. He hadn't realized he'd thought his name. But once you were asked to think of your name, you couldn't not think of it, no matter how you tried. Like the whisperer's voice, the answer was simply there. Reynard Muldoon, what do you fear most? Spiders, Rainy lied, trying to regain some control. Spiders made Rainy nervous, but he wasn't afraid of them. Certainly they were not what he feared most. That was something he didn't want the whisperer to know. But responding to Rainy's involuntary answer, the whisperer said, Don't worry. You are not alone. 
At once, Rainy was filled with an astonishing sense of well-being. He felt so good, so at peace, he could hardly hold his thoughts together. So this was why those other messengers looked so happy, why they craved their sessions so intensely. When you did what it wanted, the whisperer rewarded you by soothing your fears. Rainy would never have guessed it could feel so wonderful. Rainy had another problem now, a very troubling problem. Having been made to feel so wonderful and so easily, so unexpectedly, Rainy found he wanted to give in to the whisperer, wanted it desperately. This was a disturbing development. And while he still had some trace of determination left, before he lost himself entirely, Rainy decided he must learn something if he could. Mr. Curtin, he thought, can you hear me? Let us begin, said the whisperer. Mr. Curtin, can you hear my thoughts? Let us begin. Mr. Curtin didn't seem to be hearing him. So maybe the whisperer could only seek out certain things and was incapable of detecting anything else. Rainy had to hope so. Let us begin, the whisperer repeated with an unmistakable hint of impatience. He could not put it off any longer. Okay, Rainy thought, bracing himself. Okay, I'm ready. When Rainy opened his eyes again, Sticky stood over him, staring at him as if he might be dead. Rainy blinked and stretched. He saw relief in Sticky's eyes. He was fatigued, but pleasantly so, as if he had worked hard at some extremely enjoyable task. The cuffs had retracted into the armrest, the blue helmet had been lifted from his head, and Mr. Curtin was at his desk, making a note in his journal and speaking quietly into his unseen intercom. Are you okay? Sticky whispered. You were in that thing for two hours. Two hours? Rainy repeated, amazed. It had seemed only a few minutes. He remembered the first stream of words entering his mind, remembered dutifully repeating them, his mind relaxing into a feeling of marvelous happiness. There was nothing at all to fear, nothing at all to worry about. In fact, now that Rainy thought about it, he was a little cranky. He wanted to slip back into that feeling. He was struck with a pang of bitter jealousy that Sticky was about to take his place in the whisperer. Does it hurt? Sticky asked. Are you all right? Sticky's worried expression brought Rainy to his senses. No, no, don't worry. Just relax. I think, I think we're safe for now. We can talk later. No whispering, boys, Mr. Curtin called, wheeling over to them. I dislike all secrets, save my own. Sorry, sir, said Rainy. I was only telling him not to worry, that it doesn't hurt. Mr. Curtin laughed, his screechy laughed. Hmm, of course it doesn't hurt. It wouldn't be useful if it did. To function properly, my whisper has always needed children, and children are averse to pain. I found that out through experience. No, it doesn't hurt, George. Quite the opposite. I dare say... Reynard can assure you the session was perfectly wonderful and unusual, I might add. Two hours was far, far longer than I expected. As I have said before, Reynard, you have a strong mind. New messengers rarely make it half an hour before their concentration flies apart and they slip into a daze. 
Even my seasoned messengers never last more than an hour. Mr. Curtin seemed tired himself. Perspiration glistened on his forehead, and his lumpy nose was splotched with red. Tired, but happy, just like Rainy. I am very pleased, Reynard, very pleased indeed. I believe we have more to discuss now, and if George's session goes even half so well, our discussion will include him, too. Wouldn't you like that, George? Of course you would. Meanwhile, I've sent for some juice. Using the whisperer calls for frequent refreshment. Rainy rose shakily from the seat. His mind kept returning to the phrases he'd been compelled to think. Brush your teeth and kill the germs. Poison apples, poison worms. The missing aren't missing. They're only departed. And with each phrase came the memory of the pleasure he'd been given by thinking it. He wanted to sit back down, go straight into another session. Rainey shook his head. He couldn't believe how strongly the whisperer took hold of you and how much it took out of you. He felt so weak, he stumbled over to a cushion and collapsed upon it. Sticky followed and hovered over him, wanting to help somehow, not knowing what to do. Mr. Curtin, meanwhile, had pressed a button on his chair, and the whispering gallery's metal door was sliding open. Jilson, the executive, entered with a plastic jug and paper cups. Anything else, sir? Jilson eyed the boys with grudging approval. She held an esteem for messengers she didn't have for other students. That will be all, Jilson, Mr. Curtin replied. Jilson went out, and Mr. Curtin poured the juice. Plastic jug and paper cups. No glass. Mr. Curtin was indeed careful. But even if they'd had a heavy glass bottle, something hard to conk him over the head with, what then? The whisperer's computer circuitry was safely hidden beneath the stone floor, its chair and helmets made of strong metal. How could they possibly do anything about it? Ready, George? said Mr. Curtin. It was more of a command than a question. Sticky gulped and took his place in the machine. Once again, Mr. Curtin fitted the red helmet over his head and growled, Lidoptera Curtin. The blue helmet lowered, the cuffs appeared, and Sticky squeezed his eyes shut. His hands strained unconsciously against the cuffs, wanting to get at his spectacles. He was obviously frightened. Rainy watched from the cushion. Poor Sticky. In a moment, his fear would dissolve, replaced by something wonderful which was far more troubling than the fear. For how could they work to defeat Mr. Curtin if they found his invention irresistible? Even now, free of the whisperer's metallic grip, Rainey found himself longing for that sensation of perfect security, of not being alone. His thoughts were interrupted by Sticky's nervous voice crying out, Sticky Washington! A pause, then more quietly, fine. George Washington. The whisperer had asked his name, and Sticky, without realizing, had answered aloud. Apparently, it preferred Sticky's given name. Rainey watched his friend anxiously clutch the armrests. He wished he could help him, but there was nothing to be done. Next, the whisperer would ask what his greatest fear was, and poor Sticky would be powerless to hide it. He must face the worst. And indeed, it was with a distinctly quavering voice that Sticky spoke his reply to the whisperer's unspoken question. Not being wanted, Sticky said. 
not being wanted at all.